Welcome to the Not So Average Podcast. My name is Courtney and I built this podcast to deconstruct traditional advice and the idea of living an average life to inspire you to step into your power and be the creator of your own life. If you're also viewing living an average life as very boring and you're looking to upgrade your mind, body, and soul, then you're in the right place and I'm so glad to have you here. Subscribe to hear new episodes every Wednesday on all streaming platforms and let's jump into the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Not So Average podcast. Today, I'm joined with a special guest. I'm here with Brian Chang, who's the owner of Brian Chang Fitness Incorporated and co-owner of Jungle Toronto. Brian, welcome to the Not So Average podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I feel like I found you on Instagram many years ago and probably through mutual friends. And I have always really enjoyed your approach to fitness and grit and discipline. And I've learned a lot from you on your Instagram and definitely those COVID, pers- those uh, group training sessions. Those got me through I miss those. COVID. <laughs> I miss those. I really, you know, I was actually talking to someone the other day, like I miss Obviously not COVID as a whole, but some of the connections that I made because of COVID and seeing the online community really, really grow and kind of seeing everybody get really into fitness during that period. Like I I, I miss that part. I, I really do. You know, that was though that was the first time in a in, in a while where I felt this huge sense of community during that yeah. time, which is kind of weird because it's kind of weird to say that something crazy as COVID had to happen for everybody to kind of get together like that. But no, that was a special time. And I got to meet everybody, including yourself, which was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I was reflecting on it this morning because I feel like that time, uh, I'm sure a lot of us are just trying to move on and not harp on it too often. But I was mm-hmm. in preparation of this episode. I was thinking about how I you know, came to met, meet you. How did I find you on Instagram? Mm-hmm. All these things. And I'm thinking, wow, oh my gosh, this has been for years. Cause I remember doing those lockdown group sessions over zoom and they really got me through those really hard times. So it was, it's really cool to think back on it, but what I kind of want to dive in today is going back to some of the earlier times in your career and kind of what got you into this medley of like the fighter mentality when it comes to your approach in fitness in your personal life, as well as your working with clients. Um, so I guess if I go back, I was born in Korea, um, so I wasn't born in Canada. A lot of people assume that I was born here. Um, I was actually born in Korea and then I moved to Vancouver when I was nine with my family. Um, so I lived in Vancouver for a bit. Um, and then I moved to here, Ontario, Oakville when I was 13. During that period of being here um, from nine years old to about 13, going into high school, um, my, my, my childhood and and my my time as a as a young boy wasn't always the the best. There were obviously a lot of good moments, but as for me personally, as an Asian Canadian, if you want to call it, um, there was a lot of um, low confidence that came with that. There was a lot of um, a lot of bullying that came with that, verbal bullying, racial bullying, even if it was from friends, right, or from strangers uh, growing up. And there were a lot of moments where. Um, Again, growing up, it really uh, took a big toll on my on my confidence as a young boy growing up. Um, 
and going into high school, very similar things, although I had a lot of friends and I, I really, really love all of them. I appreciate my time in high school and even in university. There were moments where um, there was a lot of, you know, a verbal and, and mental and emotional beatdown that I personally didn't really showcase to anybody. I just kind of kept it all internalized to myself. And my parents don't, don't, don't even know or didn't even know about it. Um, and for me, fitness was an outlet. Right. Fitness was an outlet. Um, things like boxing was an outlet. Training really, really hard was an outlet for me. Um, so, you know, I channeled all this energy that I had, all this kind of negative built up energy that I had growing up um, into the gym, essentially lifting weights, just like you know, a lot of the guys nowadays. Um, I use that as an outlet to release um, any of the insecurities and any of the low confidence and the um, and the demons, if you want to call it, that I had growing up um, into something positive. And it allowed me to see that um, confidence is something that can be built. So now I'm at a point where, um, you know, fitness was an outlet for me. And as a trainer and as a coach now, I'm trying to use that to um, help other people who might be in the same situation, essentially. Yeah, that's amazing. It's actually a very similar story in my life as well. Just kind of, I feel like fitness for me was the gateway into self-development. And it also mm -hmm. came from low confidence, being bullied. Um, mm -hmm. We experienced different types of bullying, it sounds like, but right. still very much like turning that pain into some sort of outlet. And then um, the ways that a lot of the stuff that you learn in the gym can transpire into all the different areas of self-development and growth beyond just the physical body. Um, I feel like in following you for years, something when I think about Brian Chang is a lot of discipline and holding a lot of grit. I'm curious of like where that stemmed from. Were you taught that by your parents or did it come from learning in self-development books? What happened there? Um. I felt I feel like a little bit of that came from my my father, who was very strict and his father was very strict as well. So my grandfather was very strict to my father. So growing up in a very conservative Korean family, um, it comes with a lot of discipline building. Right. Um, which I appreciate now. Back then, when I was younger, I didn't understand it. I didn't I didn't get it. I hated it. But now I understand why it was so valuable. Right. And and that level of discipline has brought this special skill of respecting other people um, around me, respecting my elders um, and kind of my ability to push through some of the challenges and the tough times and and, and doing things that you don't want to do sometimes. Right. Back when I was younger, you know, there were moments where, you know, I would have to read a book. I, my my dad would like force me to read a book because he was a big reader and he saw the value in reading books. And I was an extrovert. Like I was an energetic. I wanted to run. I wanted to climb. I wanted to roll a blade. I wanted to be outside and be active. I didn't, I wasn't a, someone who would sit down and read a book. I was not a school person. I was not a school kid. I was not a homework kid, but I was forced to do those things. Um, and Again, at the time, I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. And there were moments when I was younger where I'd cry and I would, I would get in trouble and I would get scolded. But now I see the value in it, of course. So I feel that a small portion of that um, came from how I was raised by my, by my dad, by my father. Um, and then I think the other portion is something that I, I developed over time. Um, and it, the, the discipline that came for me was a little bit forced. I feel like um, I forced it upon myself because I 
whether it's because the people that I follow on social media that I consider role model, they were preaching discipline so much to a point where I kind of got brainwashed that I had to be so disciplined and so um, committed to my mission to see the results that I want to see, to see the outcome that I wanted to see. Um, I think another aspect was, again, pretty unhealthy, but as I was growing up, a lot of competitive nature. So I would compare myself to other social media people on, on Instagram, other coaches, other trainers. And in my own mind, I wanted to beat them. In my own mind, I wanted to get better than them, whether it was I wanted to have more followers than them. I wanted to have a bigger business than them. I wanted to be a better coach. I wanted to be a better boxer. I wanted to be a better boxing coach. And that unhealthy competitive nature sometimes um, would push me to become extremely disciplined and to, um, you know, not, not go out, you know, not go out, not eat out, not do the little fun things in life that everybody should enjoy. So um, mm -hmm. I think those three main aspects um, is how kind of I, I got to develop discipline. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, especially from like a cultural perspective growing up that way. And it's funny that you mentioned how, you know, in the time you couldn't see the beauty in it. You couldn't, you would, you know, kick and scream as a kid. But in hindsight, how far it's taking you is kind of a beautiful thing um, to mm -hmm. be able to recognize. And when it comes to that competitive nature, it's really interesting because I feel like sometimes competition can be it can be something where we compare ourselves and let us beat us down of like, well, that could never be me. And it sounds mm -hmm. like the comparison you were facing were was kind of driven by competition because they almost expanded in what's possible for you. And so you're like, well, if they can do it, so can I. And it, you almost let it drive you in that way. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So competition can either be a really good thing or it can be a really bad thing. Um I find, especially in the fitness space, it either goes, it's very extreme. So as a coach, when I work with clients, comparison can be a very bad thing where, again, like you said, it bring, brings a lot of um, low motivation. Um, it can even bring their confidence levels down even lower than it already is. It can bring upon a lot of insecurities that we see um, in both men and women, right? Um, but when you learn to channel that a little bit differently and you use that as kind of that fuel and a little bit of that fire, it can be a very beneficial thing sometimes. But again, at the end of the day, it's all moderation. And something I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on, but everything in moderation, because if there's too much competition, then, then there's ego, and then there's arrogance, right? And there's disrespect, for example, towards other people. Whereas um, on the other way, if there's too much comparison as well, the other side of things, then you're comparing yourself to too much to all these other people that you see on social media, um, where essentially it's a fake world a lot of the times, right? And that can bring you down in ways that you don't want to be brought down, right? So I think moderation is really, really important. But I think competitive nature and having a little bit of competition is great as long as you know how to channel it for uh, to be to be beneficial to you. Yeah, I love that you're bringing up social media. And it's not even in my like, mind to bring up today but it is really important I guess to quickly touch on because mm -hmm. in fitness and comparison I know for me I actually had a conversation with somebody else recently about this how what drove me to get into weightlifting as like a younger mm -hmm. teenager 
was Mm -hmm. watching the people on YouTube. So I was like, I grew up in the YouTube era of like Christian Guzman and Nikki Blackadder and then like Whitney Simmons, all the Gymshark and Alpha Elite athletes. And I would really compare myself, even though I found them entertaining and I did learn, I think, a lot from them. And there's no shade to them as individuals in any way. I think they're all incredible. But I did find myself because, you know, Nikki Blackadder's shorter. I am the same way, even though we probably carry different fat, different areas and have different genetics. If she was eating an X amount of macros and whatever, and she shared what she'd eaten a day, I would completely try to repeat that um, because mm-hmm. as a kid, I didn't really know how to differentiate like, well, what works for them might not work for you. And it almost right. created a bit of an unhealthy obsession because I wasn't in tune of what's going to make me feel good and my best. It was like, well, if this is working for her and it's based on all appearance. I'm seeing what she mm-hmm. looks like, then that mm-hmm. must work for me. And I think that right. is something people get twisted even to this day. It's, um, I think it's, I think it's gotten better now, but I think it's what people have to realize is especially like influencers that have a lot of power. It's really, really, really important that they understand the type of influence that they have on their following followers, because sometimes and a lot of times, especially in the world of YouTube and YouTube, Instagram and TikTok, right? The demographic is younger. Yeah, where on YouTube, it could be like little kids, six, seven, eight, nine, right? You see like six-year-olds with their iPads now, with their phones now. Same with TikTok. Instagram may be a little bit older, but still same thing. And just like you said, when you're younger, you can get really easily influenced. And if the influencer is preaching or they live a certain lifestyle that may not be beneficial for the viewer, for the followers... Um, it can it can cause a lot of it can cause a lot of chaos, right? It can cause a lot of issues, right? Liver King is the perfect example. Liver King is the perfect example, right? Where he had such a huge influence, um, you know, and obviously in his marketing there was a little bit of a twist to it that he didn't really reveal. There was a side to his story that he didn't really reveal, and he preached all these you know, high protein, raw organ meat diets and all these crazy supplements and training like two hours a day, like all this very aggressive, very intense lifestyle that a lot of these younger kids might look look up to him and be like, hey, like if I want to look like him or if I want to be successful like him, I have to do these things, right? Which, get, which can then spiral into something a lot worse, something a lot bigger for, you know, obviously it starts with their health, mental health, and then it ends up with physical health and physiological health and so on. So I think it's really, really important to understand every single influencer that might be watching this or that are out there, like you have a lot of influence, you have a lot of power and you need to, I think everybody needs to be be careful of the type of things they say sometimes um, because again, a lot of these younger viewers might take you literally and try to copy and paste everything that you do and it can lead to harm, which we don't want. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like, I'm thinking of the era that I grew up in. I think YouTube definitely has evolved. I don't find myself consuming that kind of content as much anymore either. But I do Mm -hmm. see that some of the fitness influencers I still follow to this day are much more conscious of sharing the 
highs and lows and reminders around the lighting and the fact that they didn't eat that day yet. And that's why they right. look so lean and this and that. The minute that they have like one meal, their appearance of their stomach, especially for women, I think get really fixated on this. Um, mm -hmm. That's when it can start to create that body dysmorphia and all those things. So I'm seeing those changes and those positive um, Yeah you know, evolutions around social media, but I think it's also yeah. an important reminder, an important reminder for any listeners to just be able to decipher that not everything that you see is real and that you really have to be conscious of the type of influence that you're following and ensure 100%. that in hindsight, it might not be um, the healthiest or the best, or these people might not be professionals, 100%. all of those um, important factors. Yeah. yeah. We got to constantly remind people that what you see on social media most of the time isn't what it seems, right? So, you know, as we as we know, social media, we try to post all the good stuff, all the wins, all the good stuff, even in business, even in entrepreneurship, we don't, a lot of people don't share the downside, the stress, the late nights, the, 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 the days of anxiety, the days of high stress, the days of frustration, anger, the days of doubt, giving up, all of the above, they a lot of them don't show it, but I do believe now that people are starting to be a little bit more authentic and show both sides of the story, whether it's for bodybuilding, mm -hmm. weight loss, fat loss, scene changes, you know, mirror pictures, you know, how angles can change everything, how lighting, filters, tanning, all that can change literally how a person looks. It's all perception at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. now, like you said, I I do love seeing all these influencers, especially a lot of the females as well. I, I want to see more of the males to do it as well. But a lot of the female influencers are are kind of showing that the difference between, um, you know, this is like lighting and makeup and filter and tanning and perfect angle and perfect time of the day. But this is how I usually look on most days. And that authenticity and that authentic content, I think, is more valuable, to be honest, to, to the viewers, which is awesome. Absolutely. I think we're craving vulnerability in this time of social media, even though it's not easily right. like even for myself as a creator, I steer away from the vulnerability. If I'm, mm -hmm. I'm posting something positive on that day and I'm like crying, you know, in bed, like it can be a very mm -hmm. messed up um, duality of like, you're sharing obviously those highlights and, and behind the scenes, it's completely a shit show but yeah. being able to lean into more of the authenticity and vulnerability it's kind of like a muscle that you have to continue to build and i would also mm -hmm. love to see male influencers do that as well i think that that would be really cool to see in the fitness world and how much that could change but i want to talk about you mentioned entrepreneurship and the highs and lows of it um obviously you're in fitness the last couple of years have been insane um i'm curious of kind of what's been able to get you through the highs and lows of all of the things in business um, that's a great question. I think the most important thing, number one, so far is the people around me, um, having that close knit group of friends, obviously my girlfriend, my business partner, Jay, I'm having close people around me that they know when my energy changes, right? They can tell when it's a low and they can tell when it's a high and when it's a high, they celebrate with me when it's a low. They ask me why they try to bring me back up. So again, I think having a, an authentic group of people around you that actually care about your progress um, and about of your mental health and of your success um, around you is really, really important because then you can talk to them, people that you can open up to about the stresses you're feeling, um, you know, the, the anxiety that you're feeling with your business, whatever the case may be. Um, these people can uh, um, kind of bring you back to center 
right? And if you're working too hard, same thing. Because as entrepreneurs, sometimes you can get into this mode where you're working like crazy, having these people around you to kind of pull you back to present and then to pull you back into center and be like, hey, like take a moment, take a breath, breath can, help, can help a lot. So for me, that's helped me a lot. Um, the people around me. Number two is, I would say training, of course. Um, moving my body is a way of me exerting a lot of energy, especially a lot of negative energy. So whether it's from you know, something as small as walking to shadow boxing, to boxing, to taking classes, to one-on-one -on -one PT, to weight training, to running, short distance, long distance, hiking in any way that I can release my energy and kind of calm myself down um, is another really, really important, you know, weapon that I keep it in the back of back of my pocket at all times. Whenever I feel anxious, stressed, I'm having a bad day. The first thing I try to do is I start moving. Mm. I start moving. I start shadow boxing, start fighting the air, start doing drills, start thinking about, you know, put some music on and start lifting some weights, do some body weight, whatever it is for me to kind of center myself again, I will do that. And that helps me a lot. And I think for the third one is for a lot of entrepreneurs, like it's kind of accepting that there are going to be highs and there are going to be lows and, and learning, teaching yourself to embrace the lows, if that makes sense. Right. And to, not strive for perfection every single day or even every week and to understand that it's going to be a roller coaster and there's going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys um, and appreciating the peaks, but also embracing the valleys as well, the lows and understanding that without the lows, the highs wouldn't feel as high. You know what yeah. I mean? So kind of, kind of like in constantly reminding myself that entrepreneurship and building a business is not going to be perfect. Same yeah. thing with weight loss, same thing with fat loss, same thing with your boxing journey, like whatever it is, it's never a linear low. It's never perfectly straight. There's always ups and downs. There's always a roller coaster. So I think once you actually like engrave that into your brain and you start believing in that, when you get into a low, um, you're able to kind of, have a conversation with yourself, be like, you know, these things happen to everybody and let's take a breath for a moment. And this is not the end of the world and let's figure out a solution from here. So um, yeah. I think those three things are my, my that's top awesome. three tips. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I think that's really helpful. Even if you're not an entrepreneur to remind you of those things of keeping going towards any goals or anything, um, because we talk about the journey a lot. And I sometimes joke with everyone calls it the big J word, right? And it sounds so cliche, but the thing is when we, especially with entrepreneurship that I'm learning is that it's not overnight. And I know this consciously, but I think that sometimes when we get driven by motivation and excitement, it's like, I've got to make this shit happen today. And we can almost get yeah. ahead of ourselves rather than playing that marathon and really doing the sprint. And what happens yeah. is we can burn out. We can almost trick our brain into thinking about only the hundred meters in front of us rather than the long, long way ahead. And I think that for my, even myself, I found myself getting a little bit too caught up in those 100 meters rather right. than the bigger picture. And something that's helped for me is definitely sticking to the things that you just mentioned and really embracing the lower moments because you're always just learning from them. They're just little moments to pivot rather than give up. Like if you see a baby, the best example I always think about this is like a baby who's learning to walk. They will scratch their elbow, hit, like hit the ground a thousand times. And they're never mm -hmm. thinking to themselves, maybe I should give up on trying to walk. They're literally right. so determined. And 
I think, and they don't care how long it takes. They're not getting in their head of maybe I'm not meant to walk, right? They are just simply focusing on getting back up. And I think that if we can start to all implement that towards our goals, then we can kind of start to bypass some of the bullshit we're telling ourselves of maybe this isn't meant for me. Maybe I should, you know, do something that's way safer. Maybe I, as entrepreneurs, maybe I should just stick with the nine to five. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Right. Um, right, right, right. And I'm sure that these are things that you and I have both thought of <laughs> in, in our journeys because yeah. it's not easy. And I love that you talked about being people around you because it can be a really isolating, a, a really isolating lifestyle if you don't surround yourself with amazing people. 100%. You need to surround yourself with people that are like-minded. So if you're an entrepreneur, you need to surround yourself with some other entrepreneurs because they'll probably understand it the best. But you also need to communicate with the people around you, whether it's your partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, friends, family, that look, you know, they might not understand entrepreneurship and some of the things that come with it to kind of communicate with them. I'd be like, look, yeah, like, you know, sometimes my days are really long. I leave at five in the morning and come back at 9.30 p.m. at night. Like, and in between, there's a lot of shit that happens, right? So, you know, having that open conversation with people around you, I think is super, super important. Going back to that whole message, like to any, like if there's anyone watching this as an entrepreneur, like understand that the lows are supposed to happen. Once I accepted that, that the lows are supposed to happen and the mistakes are supposed to be made, right? And you understand that that's where a lot of that valuable golden nuggets, the lessons are going to come from. Once you accept it, you'll look at the lows a little bit differently. You know what I mean? Um, You'll start to appreciate some of the dips that you have. You'll start to appreciate some of the moments of little small mistakes and errors that you make. You'll start to appreciate it. And when you can shift that mindset towards making a mistake, then you're in a whole different world. Now you can continue to go upwards. um, And now you're in that entrepreneurship mindset. Now you're ready to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It takes time, but it takes time. It takes time. I don't know about you, but it took me a long time to not get so angry when the lows would happen mm-hmm. and and not and blaming myself if that if that makes sense, right? It yeah. took a long time for me to actually stay calm during the chaos a little bit. Um and understand that there's value in some of the some of the dips and the lows. Yeah, I mean, you're basically training your nervous system and emotional regulation to not freak the fuck out when something happens as an entrepreneur and in mm-hmm. any other any other field. If you're chasing towards big dreams, big goals, there's going to be times where something's going to get in the way. And it's really like 100%. learning how to ride that out without it letting you deter you completely um, is a lot of the emotional regulation that I, I feel like people don't disclose it as emotional regulation, but that's really what it is. It's just reminding your nervous system that no one's coming to kill you. Like it's safe or good. It's not 911. Mm-hmm. Your body's okay. And mm-hmm. it's time to just continue to move on. But we get into fight or flight or fawn and we can, you know, that can send us in different directions. And that's where the anger and all the triggers come up. And usually it's some belief system that's told us that maybe we're not caught out for this or whatever. And being able to regulate right. that that reaction is going to be crucial because then suddenly the waves don't feel so intense. There's kind of just like, okay, we're just surfing a little bit, might get a little choppy, but you're not getting completely knocked off the board, you know? (laughs) Right. Exactly. I I use the traffic analogy all the time while I'm stuck in traffic because traffic is one of those things here in the GTA that pisses (laughs) me off. But I, I realize that traffic is exactly like a fitness journey. 
or an entrepreneurship journey. There are going to be moments where you're moving real fast, real small, real smooth, no traffic. And then out of nowhere, you're on the 401 and there's going to be traffic out of nowhere. You don't even know why there's traffic. There's just traffic, right? But when you're in traffic, you're still inching your way forward towards your destination. You might be going a lot slower than before, but you're still moving forward in an inch at a time, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually, for some reason, the traffic clears up and you're able to go full speed forward again. So that's entrepreneurship. That's fitness training. That's weight loss journey. That's muscle gain journey. And it's going to be like that forever. There's going to be moments where you're going fast and there's going to be moments where you have to slow down a little bit. And there's going to be moments where you can go fast and there's going to be moments where you, you can slow down a little bit. But nonetheless, you're still going towards your destination. You're not going backwards. I love that analogy. I'm going to be stealing that from you. That is so good. <laughs> Traffic I- analogy. That that definitely hits. Yep, you're right. That's definitely the best analogy. Um, I can't think of anything better to describe what we we're just talking about. So that's awesome. And I love your kind of no bullshit mentality, but you also have the softer edges of understanding that there's realities too. And I like that you are able to um, communicate with your clients and like followers and all these things, the kind of realities of what's going to happen, but also how to overcome mm-hmm. it. I've always mm-hmm. looked at your approach to everything is pretty no BS um, in the best way possible. And mm-hmm. I definitely resonate with that in, in the kind of content I create as well. So I really love it. Um, I remember us talking years back about kind of that 1% mentality. And I know that you really incorporate this in a lot of your life and your business and all of those things. I'm curious of kind of what the 1% means for you and how you help clients implement this in their lives as well. Um. So I think what you're talking about is how I always say, like, aim towards being like 1% better every day. Um, I can't remember where I got that from, but maybe I saw it on social media. But I think that's such an important part because, again, because of social media, a lot of people think people want to take leaps, right? They want to skip 10 steps and then want to jump to the very end. And, you know, because again, because of social media as well, um, people want everything fast, right? They want to lose weight fast. They want to burn fat fast. They want to look good fast. Um, And that's where I kind of started incorporating that 1% better mindset where, you know, at the end of the day, what you have to focus on is today and tomorrow, right? And stop looking past today and tomorrow into like next week and next month and next year, especially when it comes to fitness, And just focus on becoming 1% better every day, every week. And what that's going to do is that's going to have a compounding interest. And then it's going to accumulate over time into this huge, huge, big results, right? Um, And it's kind of, as a coach, when I work with clients, I get their big goal. Someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I want to lose 50 pounds. Okay, no problem. Let's reverse engineer that. And let's work on breaking that down to smaller goals. Because what I, what I, what I, what I notice with all my clients is smaller goals is a lot more attainable than looking at the big big goal of 50 pounds in whatever, six months or eight months. Let's break that down and so let's work towards losing two pounds per week. That sounds way more reasonable and that sounds way more doable than just looking at that 50 pounds, which is a huge number sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's where that whole 1% mentality came from is that every single day your goal is to become 1% better than yesterday. Mm-hmm. right? Think about today and think about tomorrow. Become 1% better 
than you were yesterday and stay consistent with that 1%. And over the course of four weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, six months, one year, take a look at how much you changed. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of bringing it all back into those small progressions, which is something that I preach a lot. Just celebrating the small little wins and working on that small win every single day than just going for the big jackpot, if that makes yeah. sense. That's awesome. I love that mentality. And I think it's kind of sounds like it was bred out of seeing how people are almost getting ahead of themselves and beating themselves down when they're not perfect. And you're really talking mm-hmm. about that progress, not perfection and keeping with something and not expecting the, yeah, like the instant dopamine, the instant gratification that is so mm-hmm. prevalent in our society and culture. I mean, yep. we're in that area of or arena of swipe right. If you want to meet somebody, if you want to order food, right. it'll be here in five minutes. You want to get something on Amazon. It's literally the same day delivery now. You know, <laughs> it's so quick, fast paced, everything you want to watch a movie like whatever movie you ever want, you can have access to in instant. If you want to talk to your family mm-hmm. in Korea, you can call them and it's an instant FaceTime, right? Like it doesn't, right. everything's so instantaneous. So right. when it's about going after your goals, we can get ahead of ourselves. And I, I think that's a really important reminder for anyone listening. Um, that kind of leads me into talking about what average people get wrong when it comes to weight and fat loss. What, what do you Oh, see? man. Oh man. Let's get spicy. Let's get down. Let's get spicy. <laughs> Look, I'm going to I'm going to start getting very transparent here. Um I think number 1 the most important thing is um exactly what we talked about is the speed of weight loss. Okay? And thinking that it's going to happen fast. That's the number one mistake a lot of people make is rushing fat loss and weight loss. From a physiological standpoint, from a biological standpoint, Anything extreme is not good for the body. We know this, right? Anything. So your body doesn't like it when there's huge changes that happen very, very quickly. Um, And we want to make sure that when we're doing weight loss and fat loss, we go with the body, not against the body. We don't want to push it to do anything so extreme that it doesn't want to do. Because the thing about the human body is it'll have a retaliation effect, right? It'll fight back always. Right. So for me, I think the number one most important thing is the speed. Um, uh, We keep going back to the social media thing. Social media can play this trick on you thinking that you can lose weight really, really fast. But that's not the case. That's only the case if your lifestyle allows it. Yeah. So a lot of these people that see incredible results, they have the time. They don't have the kids. They don't have the stress. Right. That you might be facing. They, you know, and they can work. And these are people that might have two hours a day to work out because they just have that freedom. A lot of them are Whereas getting you paid might not. to do so too. I want like to remind people of exactly. this. Like they're getting paid to often look that way, just like 100%. models are and things like that. So I think that's an important part of like, yeah, if your full-time job was to literally work out and look fit as hell and you dedicated mm-hmm. the same time and energy of what they do, yeah, you would definitely look the leanest you've ever looked. 100%. But that's not reality for a lot of people. 100%. 100%. So I think that's the number one mistake is thinking that it's got to be done fast and having that expectation that it should be fast, right? Weight loss should be slow. Fat loss should be slow and steady, but consistent, right? For if anybody wants real numbers by, by studies, 1% of your body weight per week is the best. Half a percent to 1%. Anything more than that, 
is way too drastic and you're probably losing a lot of lean muscle tissue, which we don't want. So I think that's the number one mistake is speed. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Relax, take your time, right? And for clients that take their time, they usually end up having a very successful and a lot easier weight loss journey, emotionally and mentally. Mm. Cool. Um, so that's the first one. I think the second one is when it comes to nutrition, you need to do what works for you. So understanding that you are you, you are completely different from even your own siblings, for example, or even your parents, right? Genetically, DNA wise, the way your body is shaped, the way your body is on the inside, your hormonal profile, everything is different from your neighbors to your best friend, to your colleagues, to the girl that you hang out with at the gym. You guys are all different. And this is also very, very important to all trainers and influencers as well, that what worked for you that may, may not work for your clients or may not work for your friend, right? So it's understanding that individuality is such an important thing and understanding that you need to find a nutrition plan that you really, really, really enjoy doing that's right for your lifestyle, yeah? And once you have that, you'll be able to be consistent. And when you're consistent, you'll be able to see weight loss and fat loss beautifully and smooth right the problem is a lot of a lot of men and women will look at their role models on social media and they'll try to copy like you said exactly what they do and it may not always work for you right it, again perfect example is someone like liver king very extreme right carnivore md very extreme mm -hmm. right just because these people are doing carnivore diets doesn't mean you have to to look like them yeah. right you can look if you look at the whole world if you look at the last a hundred years. If you look at the last 50 years in the fitness space, low carbs work, high carbs work, carnivore works, fasting works, keto works, everything works. And everything has worked for thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of millions of people around the world. So when somebody tells me that this is the best one, says who? <laughs> keto is the best for fat loss. Like, says who? Yeah. Right? Because there's my, I have my client who's eating carbs and seeing amazing fat loss. She's eating a lot of carbs. And then I have a client who's getting eating low carbs and eating seeing amazing weight loss as well. So who are we to say what works and what doesn't or what's superior and what's inferior, right? Yeah. So I'm a big believer that with nutrition, you need to find what works for you. And even if that takes six months for you to figure out, take the six months. Yeah. Because once you figure it out, your golden rest of the day, hundred percent. Rest of the years. I feel like for even my own personal journey, like figuring out just like what do I like to eat, what makes me feel good, and then like customizing, kind of implementing those things in the day to day has really helped. So like I know that I like something sweet at night, and trying to completely mm -hmm. eliminate. I'm not like something super sugary, but even just like a little tiny, the hunk of the hue chocolate, like satisfies mm -hmm. my like sugar craving after sure. dinner. And I think for so long, I personally was trying to discard that sugar craving and just like, I shouldn't have it. There was so much shame around it. And I feel like mm -hmm. almost your body like clings on to fat and all the things because it's like a negative experience where when you allow yourself to have that, like whatever, like one little thing of chocolate you're less likely to binge later like if i do something right. so restrictive i'm gonna eat the whole damn chocolate bar later um but also right. just like not having that shame of like yeah i genuinely enjoy that little chunk of chocolate after dinner and leave it at that and, and rather than trying to like i said like use that shame of well there's other people who don't need chocolate it's like well they just might not like 
that kind of thing, but they're, they might have that savory tooth where they want chips after dinner or whatever it is. Right. Kind of knowing that about yourself. I think for me, at least has been so much, there's been so much more longevity rather than always feeling at war with my body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hundred percent. I agree. Um, And that's, you know, this is me just being authentic. Like I, there was a point in my life as a trainer where I was very strict with my clients. I would say no chocolate. I would say no ice cream. I would say no booze. Like I would say all these things because maybe I didn't know better. Hmm. And yeah. as, as I grow as a trainer, as I learn more as a trainer and get more experience working with different people, I realize that one small chocolate bar piece is better than three massive chocolate bar pieces, if that makes sense, yeah. right? So giving understanding your own client having that conversation with them to figure out exactly what their cravings are and guilty pleasures are Mm -hmm. and giving them the permission as a coach right giving them the permission and giving yourself the permission to have these things but in extreme moderation and and, in controlled environment is going to do you more benefit than completely cutting it out um and binging like you said and creating that negative relationship with food yeah. So this leads to the next point of top, top, some of the biggest mistakes that people make is restriction, right? I believe that restriction can be beneficial for some people. If someone has absolutely zero control over their food intake, zero, right? They're like a slave to the food, mm-hmm. right? Then sometimes for a temporary time, restriction can be an important thing to teach them a little bit of that emotional control, that little bit of that self-control, a little bit of that willpower towards saying no to things that sometimes don't align with your goals. Once they develop that willpower and that discipline a little bit, then we can reintroduce some of that, some of the fun foods into their uh, lifestyle without them completely going overboard and consuming uh, thousands of calories from this food, right? So um, I think restriction in in very specific cases can be very, very beneficial. But for most people, restriction is not going to work out. And we've seen it over and over and over again, like trying to tell, like restricting, you know, their guilty pressures and and, and social life essentially Mm -hmm. out of their life doesn't work. Yeah, doesn't work, right? Fitness journey should be fun. Right. It should have a small aspect of fun to it and it should have an aspect of balance to it. Right. Um, And we see that nine out of 10 times if a client or a person try to completely restrict themselves from certain things, there's always a negative bounce back after, which is not good. So learning the, the tools and the skills to be able to keep these fun, guilty pleasures, if you want to call it, into your nutrition plan and figuring out the formula to seeing results while still being able to enjoy a bite or two of the chocolate bar here and there to be able to go out and have a drink, right? Maybe not 10, but have a drink or two and and still be able to see results. Like that's the magic sauce. Yeah. Like no, just know yourself, I think is kind of the ultimate uh consistent theme I hear a lot of times in terms of just what it is to have success in any area of your life because when you know yourself and let's say you know that you are a night hawk and you're wanting to set yourself up for success whether that's in your career your goals all those things knowing that and that you prefer the late nights like setting your calendar up 
to be like that makes more sense than trying to force yourself to be a 5 a.m. type of person because you saw someone Mm -hmm. preach it on the internet that you have to be up at 5 a.m. to be successful and whatever. And I know for me, like knowing myself look like realizing that there are some things that I can do in moderation and other things that are actually better not in my life in general. And that took a long time to acknowledge of like, yeah, I can have the one piece of chocolate and not eat the whole bar. But if there are fries in front of me at a restaurant, like it's game over. (laughs) It's just game over. I can't have a couple. Mm -hmm. It's better for me to just not have any shit. I'm trying to be really good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm a little bit looser, but like if I'm trying to be really a lot more strict, then I can't even have a couple because it just leads into more. And it's interesting hearing the debate around moderation everyone has a lot of different takes around it I like to look at it as just alignment of like the type of person you want to be and the how you want to feel ultimately um but everyone has different relationships with food with alcohol with their lifestyle I think it's it's really not that one size fits all it's all individual based you got to know yourself like you said right and you got to know your clients if you're a coach like Everybody's different. And I've had clients who would ask me for a completely very strict plan. No problem. And then I will have clients who need moderation and who needs a little bit of balance in their life because they do a lot of social meetings with clients and stuff. Yeah. Right. So giving them the right tools that they can use while being at these restaurants to still be successful, like that's important. And if you don't have a coach and you're doing this yourself, same thing, right? getting a piece of paper and kind of writing down some of the things that you know about yourself and doing a little bit of digging about yourself in terms of what you like, what you don't like, um, what are your guilty pleasures? What do you have absolutely zero control over? Right. And having, and, and knowing these points about yourself is such a, such an important part of someone's fitness journey that not a lot of people talk about, mm-hmm. right. Self-awareness. You need to be completely self-aware of your schedule, your time, your needs, your wants, your temptations, your demons, all of the above. You need to know yourself. And once you are able to find out to the core everything about yourself, you're able to create this beautiful plan around it that works with you instead of completely forcing you um, in a different direction and and you'll be way more successful in your fitness journey. So self-awareness is so important. Mm. So, 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 so. And you're alluding to basically a holistic approach because it's not just about the fitness plan and the diet plan. It is the, all of the other factors. Right. And I think holistic could be used in a different way, but basically you're thinking, I feel like when when I throw out the word holistic, people can get mad about it. But if you just think about the different factors, it's not just even with like money goals with your spending, Mm -hmm. it's not about, just the dollars in dollars out in the bank account it's like why do we spend on what we spend what are our habits like how do we think about money it's the same thing with fitness and diet it's the and the lifestyle all those things we have to look at it and in a different approach rather than just singular Mm -hmm. because life is complicated and we're humans and Mm -hmm. we're not robots (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100% 100% psychology is important yeah psychology understanding yourself um thinking like kind of questioning like the whys and the hows and all everything on 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 your actions why are you doing this why are you doing that um it's not talked about a lot but i think as again as i grow as a coach these are things that um 
are very, very important to me that I try to recognize in my clients, like, I guess, behaviors yeah. and patterns, essentially. Yeah, like, why like, Because one, why do we self-sabotage, right? Like, why do we, right. we know what we should do, why? especially if you're paying a trainer right. to do so. Like, you're literally paying someone to help right. you, and then you're still self-sabotaging. Why are we doing that? Like, right. what's holding us why? back there? Right, what's the deeper, so is, is, is having conversations with yourself or having conversations with someone? To figure that out. So that, that's a really, really important point. I love that's that. Awesome. Um, another big fitness thing is like, I think I think one of the most important thing is like, I find people go too intense and I, I find people overcommit. That's been Overcommitment me. Overcommitment is a big That's been me in my past for sure. Especially when a lot of people do these challenges like 75 hard, for example. Ooh, can we get in that? Right. What are your thoughts there? I think 75 hard is great for some people. And I think it's it's not as beneficial for some other people. That's what I think. I think that 75 hard is very extreme, right? It's very extreme. Um, you're cutting everything out, you're reading a book, you are drinking four liters, a gallon of water a day, which is again, very unnecessary, right? It is, I did 75 hard and I had to pull over on the highway to piss like <laughs> all the time. So it's, not, it's not a fun, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not a comfortable feeling. It's not a fun feeling. Number one, you, you know, if you're a smaller if you're five foot one, five foot two, oh, five yeah. foot three, you're 130 pounds. Like you don't need four liters. I always make the joke of like, if you want to be, you know, basically like drama free of your life, if you're doing the like meditation, journaling, reading, drinking that much water, working that much, like working out that much, you don't have time for anything else. It's literally like another job that you've taken on. <laughs> 100%. 100%. It's, it's, it's very time consuming. Yeah. Um, what do I think about 75 hard? I think it can be great for people depending on the person. Mm -hmm. Again, I've, I've seen people do 75 hard that shouldn't be doing 75 hard. Yeah. Right. Right. There are people out there that need to just focus on two things. Eating better, walking more. Keep it simple. Yeah. Right. When you overcommit, as soon as life hits you, you're going to start getting really overwhelmed. And that's the number one reason why we see, in my opinion, we see all the January New Year's Zoomy resolution or fall off by February is because they overcommit. They get overly excited. They overcommit. And they completely forget that, oh, I have kids and I have to drop them off and I have responsibilities and I have stress and I have work. And, you know, it's it's Q1 and it's busy. And, and you have all these external things that take over over your time but you get overly excited and you overcommit to all these different things in the in the fitness realm and then you get to a point where you're like oh like i can't do this anymore you start getting extremely overwhelmed or over anxious and that's when people start dropping off because mm. they just can't handle the yeah they can't handle the level of commitment they made in the beginning Absolutely. so for me i'd rather you focus on getting one percent better like we talked about yeah right depending on the person right if you're really busy don't commit to working out twice a day, like 75 hard. You can't do it. You can't sustain it. Yeah. Right. And when you can't sustain it and you start falling off, you're only going to feel like a failure and it's going to lead to a spiral of other things. So if you can't do two a day workouts and one has to be outside for 45 minutes, just do a modified 75 hard. For sure. One workout a day, 30 minutes, something that is doable.
Absolutely. I love that. Um, one thing I want to get into with you really quickly before we end this episode is talking about moderation in terms of partying. I personally don't drink or anything anymore, but I, so I feel like I want to pick your brain because I can't speak on it really anymore. I have a very specific lens when it comes to alcohol, but for yeah. you, I'm sure like there's so many young people listening. Most of my listeners I'm sure are not sober. So I want to just pick your brain on what like moderation in terms of socializing, socializing and partying and all of that comes with when you're on like a fitness and health journey. Um, alcohol is really bad for you. It, it, I don't care who you, I don't care who it is. You could be, you know, you could be a heavyweight drinker and be like, oh, it doesn't affect me. It is affecting me. You just don't see it because you're not able to open yourself up and look on the inside. All the research points that alcohol is just bad for you, right? Now we have all these fitness devices that you can wear, aura rings, whoop, right? You have one drink, test it for yourself. Have a night where you don't drink and have a really, really good sleep. And then the next day, have one glass of wine and then sleep. You might fall asleep. You might wake up. Take a look at your sleep score. Take a look at your recovery score, your HRV, all these markers, right? Even with one drink, you might feel a little off, a little groggy. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not telling people to not drink. Now, there's a trend going on, I feel like, right now, where a lot of people are quitting drinking, which I think is amazing. Even for myself, I've slowed down a lot, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like, I'm not in a position to tell people what to do. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah there's a lot of research that points as long as people know the facts and understand that. Yes. Like if you drink, like it's not good for your health, it's going to interfere with your fitness journey a little bit. Sure. Like there are ways around, you can still lose weight while drinking. That's a fact because as long as you account for the calories, you're going to be able to do that, but it's going to affect your recovery time from your weight training. It's going to affect how you sleep. It's going to affect your hormones a little bit. It's going to affect your energy level. It's going to affect your mental health. Like it's going to affect, there are consequences to drinking, even if it's only one or two drinks a day. Mm. So as long as you understand the consequences and not be blind to them, right. And you go out and have a couple of drinks in celebration of something. Sure. Like I, yeah. I will never tell my clients, I will never tell my clients to not do that. Yeah. Right. But what I will do is I will put this in their mind. I'll say, if you want to drink, number one, I always say you have to earn it. Mm. There has to be this give or take. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to earn it. To put them in that healthy mindset a little bit. So do a have a great training week. Eat really healthy. Right. During the week, drink lots of water, sleep really well until it's party time Saturday. Mm -hmm. So give your body a lot of good stuff. And when you do drink, you know, your body will, will thank you for all the good things <laughs> that it did, that you right. did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 80-20. Exactly. Like 80-20, like 80% of the week do really, really good things. So that when you have that bad 20 week or whatever. Yeah. Unhealthy if it's Saturday and 3 a.m. and you're yeah. crushing some McDonald's after six tequila margaritas, like maybe it bounces out. <laughs> It balances out a little bit, a little bit yeah. right? And my and and the next thing that I tell you is the day after drinking, you have to do the do, do you have to pay the dues. Oh, I like Whether, that. Right, you you're just to, more you, inclined to do less. <laughs> you have you have to do something. You have to go for a walk. You have to sweat it out. You have to um, maybe lower the carbon, take a little bit, up the veggies, up the antioxidants from berries and fruits. Yeah. Do the right things, and you should be able to drink and keep some social keep social life and drinking in your life without 
completely going down yeah. spiraling. Um, but again, just like you said, 80, 20, even for me, 90, 10. Yeah. No, I love your approach. 90% good. Yeah. 10%. Have a little bit of fun because that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I love your approach. I think that's great. And I think it's, I wasn't sure what you were going to say, because I know you preach moderation a lot, but when it comes to drinking, like, I feel like I have, I've really swung the other way of like, no, it's literally poison for you. Like the research shows all the negative things. If you're wanting to lose weight and all those things, the minute you take a drink, like all of those processes stop. And so Mm -hmm. I feel, but I almost feel a bit of the extreme way around alcohol now, um, having Mm -hmm. struggled with my own, like, drinking and stuff like that so I didn't want to be the one to speak on it in a way that can give anyone productive advice because I don't know that my advice is necessarily productive and people will implement it but I think it is important to just at least share the negative facts about it and then people can make just more empowered decisions for themselves I think for me and about individuality is so important and making aligned decisions is really important so having balance I think people can do that I just couldn't and like if you can have that a little bit of fun but still stick to your goals then amazing like that's all I want for people so really glad that we got to cover that that's awesome um yeah I think yeah last thing is like consequences are like as long as you understand the consequences and the, and the research behind it understand that yeah it is bad for you like i don't think extreme is bad either like you know like i have a lot of people i have a lot of clients who don't drink at all i have a mm-hmm. lot of clients who get their blood tested every couple of months i have a lot of clients who are dairy free gluten free like it is if that's what you love and it makes you feel good who is it to call it call it extreme you're doing course, what makes yeah. you feel good and and do your thing i love that yeah you. like it's more but the co- someone... counterculture views i think exactly. around like when i speak out on my views around alcohol people can get a little little twisted because yeah, they get sensitive yeah they get sensitive uh, yeah <laughs> yeah no nah, to each their own whatever makes you feel good if you're having one or two glasses of wine with your partner with your family with your parents with your friend is it brings you a lot of joy and 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 it makes your soul happy then that's also an important part of health too because it's not just about physical health mental health emotional health all these things are important um and yeah and i also can't be out here saying alcohol is bad and don't drink when you know i'd be a hypocrite because <laughs> i drink i drink once in a while yeah, not yeah. every week but once in a while for celebration you might have that, like that photo with the glass of wine and everyone's like what are you doing brian <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I can't be a hypocrite like yeah. that. So no, hey, everything that. in moderation, do what makes you feel good. Just make sure that you're doing the good stuff Amazing. more. Yeah. I love That's it. Most important thing. You've given us so many incredible tips and tricks. I think everyone's going to be able to walk away from this episode with a lot of really amazing golden nuggets. I know I am. Brian, I'm so excited that we were able to have this interview. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you an opportunity to tell everyone where they can find you and if they want to check out Jungle, um, how they can set that up as well. Sure. So my Instagram is I am Brian Chang. Um, I post a lot of boxing related stuff, fitness related stuff, as Courtney knows. So feel free to follow me. Um, if you're watching this, um, our Jungle Toronto um, Instagram account is jungle.to. We're based in the downtown Toronto core at Queen West and Brock. Uh, we just opened up in May, so we're a very new studio. We focus on technical boxing, um, strength training through kettlebells and dumbbells, um, and a lot of uh, body weight training through animal flow. So we really, really focus on quality movements. And one of our main models is slow things down. So you know, say even for boxing, um, a lot of beginners are encouraged. A lot of beginners come, and we slow it down, and it's not very chaotic. Rather, we teach to find calm in chaos, um, really slow down every movement, and really learn the details of boxing so that they can actually perform, not get injured, um, and have a quality session rather than just 
burn as many calories as possible type of mentality, right? So um, you can find us again on Queen West, Western Brock. Uh, we have seven day free trials for everybody new that want to come by. Um, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That was awesome. Of course. I will have everything linked below everyone. So if you guys want to check out Brian, check out the studio if you're here in Toronto, definitely recommend doing so. As always, you can find me at the Not So Average Batch on Instagram and TikTok. The podcast uploads every single Wednesday. So please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And Brian, thank you again. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have an amazing week and we'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye.